Be humble with your success. Don't think that you did it by yourself because that's not reality. Nobody gets it on their own. There are factors that influence whether or not you are successful that are beyond your control. Welcome to the Miles and the Markers podcast. I'm Gene Girdley, the author of the book of the same name, The Miles and the Markers, 52 Weeks of Experiences to Improve Your Life and Enhance Your Journey. Today we're going to get into mile 20, pay it forward. But before we do that, I've been thinking about a lot of things since the Kentucky Derby. And I've read a lot of things related to the Kentucky Derby. And I have a contrarian point of view, a slightly contrarian point of view, because so many people in business, and forgive me as I ramble on before we get into the book, but so many people in business have looked at the results of Rich Strike winning unexpectedly, an 80 to 1 long shot. And of course they get on and start posting things like, uh, just keep working, just keep driving. If you just really believe in yourself and all these kinds of things that are pretty common, right? Business thinking, all that inspirational, motivational stuff. But if you understand what the owner of the horse said when he actually won the race, he said, I almost fell over because he didn't believe it was going to happen. He didn't believe it. He didn't have belief in his horse winning the race on that day. And nobody else did either, which is why it was an 80 to 1 long shot. And of course, for those of us who read about the race and followed some of the news reports, we know that Rich Strike was added at the last minute because of a horse that scratched the day before the Kentucky Derby. So he wasn't even supposed to be in the race, okay? And that got me thinking about a lot of things and things that I think are important for us to realize in life. So I use an analogy a lot about the farmer and, and the truth of the matter is if you take any number of people, let's just say five for the sake of discussion, and all five of those people, doesn't matter how old they are, how young they are, um, what race they are, what gender they are, none of that matters. If they all are given seed and the same ground under the same circumstances with the same amount of water, same amount of sun, all those things are the same. There's no difference. And they put it into the ground the same time, the same way. They're all going to produce fruit if it's a fruit tree seed. Okay, they're all going to produce fruit, every single one of them. Now, Every one of those trees are going to grow slightly differently, even if it's in the same soil, same proximity and all that. There'll be slightly different growth. The fruit will come out slightly different. And the laws of nature are going to impact how the specific end result is for each one of those trees. Because within each one of those trees, there are unique characteristics, even though they're the same basic species. Okay, there's going to be differences. But ultimately, 
everybody's on the same playing field. The results are all going to be relatively the same with minor differences. Gene, what does that have to do with anything, and how does that have anything to do with horses? Well, what I got thinking about, and this is how my crazy brain works, is that when I read all of the motivational stuff, all of the thoughts about how, you know, Rich Strike just proved that if you set your mind to it, um, I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't agree with that. Because, see... You take those same five people I just talked about with the seeds and you put them in different parts of the world in different seasons with different weather. It doesn't matter whether they have the same tools or not. The results are not going to be the same. It doesn't matter how hard they work, how much they believe in it, how much they're committed or dedicated to consistency. If they don't have the right environment, the seeds are not going to grow. So there are some things that make a difference in success. In fact, <laughs> this again, <laughs> you poor listeners, uh, the warped mind of Gene Girdley, um, it got me to thinking about something else that's probably a better example of real life than the way we like to view it in motivational settings, and that is the ocean. So I started looking up quotes about the sea, and I found one from Nikola Tesla. That's right, Tesla, right? And here we are, for those of you who are in automotive, uh, that name rings a bell. But here's what he said. He said, the human being is a self-propelled automaton entirely under the control of external influences. Willful and predetermined though they appear, his actions are governed not from within, but from without. He is like a float tossed about by the waves of a turbulent sea. And as I've thought about that race in the Kentucky Derby, that was not about them believing they were going to win the race. Yes, they trained hard. Yes, they did all the things that you need to do in order to even be eligible for the race. But they took advantage of an opportunity. But that opportunity was one in a million. All the circumstances, everything that lined up, afforded them an incredible opportunity, and they happened to win. That's really the way life is. There are a lot of people in this world who are successful because the stars aligned. The opportunity was right. And some of those people, much to my frustration, will go out and tell stories about how they did it through this step, that step, that step, that step. And that's not true. Yes, they did work. In fact, when I get in front of a group of new salespeople that I'm training or even new service people that I'm training, I will say to them, I don't take credit for any of my success except this, doing all the work. Because there were so many other people behind giving me things. There were so many other opportunities. And some of them I've even shared in the book, like the story about 
when I went to Pomona and had the opportunity to train in front of a group, and it just happened to be that Chris was the guy who let me do it. It was an opportunity that came to me. And no, I don't believe it was because I spoke it into existence. I believed it. I worked it. But there are influences outside of us, just as Tesla said, that will impact how our life unfolds. So all that to say, be humble. Be humble with your success. Don't think that you did it by yourself. Don't boast about, look at me, look at me. Because that's not reality. Nobody gets it on their own. Nobody does it just by their own will. There are factors that influence whether or not you are successful that are beyond your control. So have a sense of humility in all of this. Have a sense of gratitude when you are successful. Yes, give to others. Yes, share your experience. And that kind of sets us up for the book, Mile 20, Pay It Forward. And so thanks for indulging me with that long rant. (laughs) And now I'm getting into the book. Besides the fact that everyone knew my goal, and for those who might just be joining for the first time, I had set a goal once I started selling cars that I wanted to be a trainer for Saturn Corporation. So everyone at the dealership knew my goal. My philosophy was different from that of most top performers in sales, specifically in automotive. Other, quote, superstars at dealerships hid their sales secrets from other salespeople. They felt threatened and thought if they shared too much, they might get knocked off their perch. Well, that philosophy never made much sense to me. And my two fantastic managers knew how things really worked. Dennis and Becky were both supportive and wise leaders. They explained to me that the energy in the entire store picks up and everyone does better as more cars are sold. And that made sense to me. When an idea worked, my default action was to share it with the team. So Dennis asked me to sit down with others on occasion and coach them, especially when it came to the interview or fact-finding process. Because of my willingness to share, and when others improved, it made sense for management to offer me a trainer's job. Now there was, at the time, no trainer's job in the company. There were four dealerships and the company did not have their own internal trainer. It just made sense because of the fact that I was doing it and I offered it without any expectation coming back to me that they would offer me a paid opportunity to do that. And that fits into so many Uh, business philosophies, especially Jim Rohn's, who said, uh, the marketplace says, don't bring me your need, bring me your seed. So I brought seed. I gave, I paid it forward, uh, believing that it was the right thing to do, not because I had any expectation. I really didn't expect to be offered a trainer's position. I was just training because that's who I was and what I believed in, and also because my goal was to become a trainer, so it really afforded me an opportunity to learn myself. 
Back to the book, I was particularly adept at two of the seven steps of the sales process, the facility tour, which was part of the welcome step, and the interview or the fact-finding process, which involved, by the way, asking a lot of good questions, especially open-ended questions. I learned how to perform a facility tour from my pastor years ago. He told the story of how his best friend sold cars and he did it a little bit differently and was always number one. He immediately after greeting a customer on the lot would say, quote, come with me. He would then show them around by letting them know the buying process was short compared to the owning experience. He would say who took care of you after the sale was more important when you agree and all my customers did. In fact, whether it was new or used car customers, 90% would always go on the tour with me. They would always say yes, 90%. Most salespeople followed a fact-finding process that was more of an interrogation than a discussion. I'm sorry, I'm going to get back here. I'm going to back up here to that tour again. It was all about value building. It was all about selling the dealership and me. It was all about selling who we were and how we were going to take care of that customer after the sale. Part of that tour included me walking through the service department. And by the way, at the time, it shocked everybody because every other dealership around had a sign that said, the insurance company won't allow customers to walk in the shop which was a load of baloney. They just didn't want anybody back there. But I would walk through the shop and we'd stop and talk with some of the techs. And the techs would say, yeah, let me tell you about this car, blah, 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 blah. It was great. It was a lot of fun. It was a, a, a part of the sales experience that I really enjoyed. And it was educational and informative to the customers. In fact, by the time we got to the car, I knew whether I had them sold or not. You know, whether or not they could afford it or not, I didn't know. But by the time we actually got to talking about the car, I knew whether they were sold. So most salespeople followed a fact-finding process that was more of an interrogation than a discussion. It was a series of quick, closed-ended questions that targeted a specific model and trim, but not how a customer experienced using their car. In one particular situation, I asked a customer, what is most important to you in your next car? It's a question that I always asked, what's most important? To which this customer replied, comfort. Now, most salespeople would have not asked a follow-up question. They would have just assumed that that meant the seat was comfortable. But I asked, and it was common for me to ask, what does comfort mean to you? What does that mean? And because it's so important to really understand, you know, seek first to understand the customer's needs. So most salespeople didn't even ask the question. What happened as a result, though, was to find out, and I'm back to the book now, that he described how the ergonomics of the vehicle were significant during his long road trips. It made all the difference in how I sold cars. So when I put him in the seat to test drive the car, I talked to him about how large the knobs were to reach over without taking his eyes off the road and turn up his fan and, and reach for the sound system and that kind of thing. This was, remember, back in the 90s, so we didn't have speech to, <laughs> speech to uh, you know, tell the car what to do, turn, or we didn't have steering wheel controls either. And um, 
So it made a difference in how I sold cars because it was focused on how the customer used the car, not specifically a, a feature, because frankly, it didn't really matter. If a customer didn't care about the sound system, why talk about the sound system? I mean, I'll hit it in passing. Oh, by the way, it does have this sound system. But if the thing that's most important to them was safety for their kids, that's what I spent the most time on. And as a result, I coached most existing salespeople on the tour and the interview steps while also taking all new salespeople through every step of the orientation and the sales process. So on my days off, the store would pay me $150 a day to train new hires in Saturn culture and the consultative sales process. It helped me gain experience as a trainer, but it also helped me refine my selling skills and improve my finance performance. There's an old saying, quote, if you want to learn something, teach it, end quote. Now, there's also a scripture that helped me during this time of success. It says, getting back to what I started with, in fact, I just have to tell you, I wasn't purposely going for this in my preamble to this reading of this chapter but the scripture says humble yourself before the lord and he will exalt you my progress wasn't the result of my efforts alone or my own decisions impacting my future and i did say that earlier others around me had a vital role to play accountability and continuous improvement were essential to my success and my team leaders helped me a lot with those areas of my life. So here's one area that I had to work on a lot and I still have to. Because I had been afforded all these opportunities, there were several times that my zealousness and drive caused me to lose sight of others around me. Coaching was needed and frankly, it still can be an issue. So when I get focused on something, it's like getting back to the horse race analogy, blinders went on, man. I mean, I didn't care what was around me. I just went for whatever I was trying to accomplish. And sometimes there would be people close by that I would just kind of run over, not purposefully, but I needed to be made aware of that. The only solution is humility. Listening to others' concerns and accepting that my actions aren't always the best for everyone around me has been an important lesson to learn in my life. And so here's the mile marker. Be willing to help others succeed without any expectation of getting something back. And that ties to paying it forward. Give yourselves to others in need. Approach each day with humility and an understanding that the way you approach success may not benefit everyone. Well, thank you so much for joining me for this partial rant and reading of Mile 20 of the Miles and the Markers. If you're interested in getting the book, by the way, uh, you can go to Amazon and type my name in the search box and the book will come up. Um, next week, it's mile 21. Gain new skills while waiting for the call. Gain new skills while waiting for the call. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and God bless.